0: If every time you got a period problem, a cramp, a pain, a this and that, and the answer is always a hysterectomy, you need a new doctor. And I'm going to just drop it right here, because if we're always snatching the wounds of every brown and black person, two plus two is four. If you don't get it, send me an email and I'll break it down for you. Welcome to the Holistic Endo Expert podcast. This is your girl, your host, Dr. Johnson, and I want to personally welcome you to season two of this amazing podcast. This podcast is going to put you in the driver's seat of your health by giving you the tools, Tips and tricks that you need to not only manage endometriosis, but take you from endo warrior to endo conqueror. Welcome, welcome. This is your girl, Dr. LJ, and I've got some of my gals in the house, honey. And we just go, this is going to be like a conversation on the couch. You know, I may get Dr. Johnson on you just a tiny bit, but today, everything is like you're sitting on the couch with us. And we are going to just tell our stories, tell it like it is, go ahead and grab your little Kleenexes, get your little feelings, just go ahead and pick them on up because we, we about to go in in in. also today we're focusing more on fibroids. Now, not everyone is going to have fibroids. Not everyone's going to have endometriosis. Maybe you're like, I don't know what the heck is going on, but something ain't right. This is definitely for you. Before we jump in, I will say this. Do not just listen to this episode, get the chills, get all the gems and be like, this was good. Yes, it was good, but this is what I'm going to need you to do. Screenshot it, tag us, tag a friend, because all of the information that you're going to hear today, think about the days when you didn't have these resources. We were just talking about it. Think about the days when you were diagnosed with endometriosis and didn't even know how to pronounce it. Couldn't pronounce it. Couldn't tell a friend. Didn't really know what it was and had absolutely no community. So today, honey, we pulling off all the layers. We pulling off all the stops. So I've got my girl, (laughs) got Sandra and Laana in the house, and it is going to be amazing. So I'm going to hand the hot mic over to you guys for an introduction.
1: All right.
0: Hey, y'all. Hey, hey, hey. Um, my name is Sandra
1: Elador. I am the nonprofit founder called Filling Empty Wounds. It's a nonprofit organization that we highlight, educate, empower, but mostly advocate or teach you how to advocate about infertility and endometriosis. I am an endo warrior, an infertility warrior, and now I'm trying to be the warrior for menopause. But hey, it's actively going, it's actively going. So right now my menopause symptoms is all right. So I'm able to smile and have
0: a good time, but I don't know how it's gonna be in 10 minutes. So this is what you're gonna get. We not judging, we not judging. It's okay, we may have a hot wash here and there, but we keeping it 100, it's all right.
2: Yes, hi, my name is LaAnna Douglas. Everyone knows me as Hope Still Stands. I'm a women's advocate. Um, I share my story dealing with infertility and fibroids, endometriosis, living with a double womb and PCOS. And so I just do everything I can to empower, to educate, to be the voice for the voiceless and just let people know that we're in this
0: together. I love it. Anna, I want to start with you first because I heard endo, PCOS, double womb, and what else was going on? Fibroids? I mean, fibroids a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your story and how you were diagnosed, because those are multiple diagnoses. And I could mm-hmm. be wrong, but I'm sure you didn't get all of those diagnoses at once.
2: Yes. Um, so I got three of them at one time and one of them later on um, in my my years. So um, at the age of 10, I started my period and I suffered for years having accidents on myself, not understanding why I was cramping so, so much and bleeding so much. And I remember about I was like 15 years old. I had my first Pap smear, and um, it was a male doctor, and he said your cervix is not visible. So me and my mom, we didn't understand what that meant. So fast forward, I started feeling like I was having cramps for three to four days on my left side, three to four days on my right, and I'm like, why does it seem like my period is so long? But I only cramped from my right side down to my leg, or in my left side down to my leg for three or four days. Um, not until I turned 26, after years of having horrible periods, passing out, um, you know, taking ibuprofen like skittles. Then marrying my husband and telling him I'm I'm someone that suffers with horrible periods. I've been labeled as the girl with bad periods. Mm-hmm. So I'm just letting you know. Um, and we wanted to try to have kids after the year our first year of being married and time went on I couldn't get pregnant. So finally at the age of 26, um, I went to see this doctor finally was diagnosed with after laparoscopic surgery with fibroids, with endometriosis. And then they told me that I have a double uterus and a double cervix. My right cervix was actually closed. So when that doctor said back when I was 15 that my cervix was invisible, it's because both of my cervixes are at nine o'clock. They're up. Instead of being down, they're up to the side. And so I felt validation, but I also felt anger. Because every time I would tell doctors, I, I don't understand why I'm having these horrible cramps. I don't understand where why I'm so tired. I'm bleeding so much. I don't understand why I feel like I'm, I'm cramping for three to four days on my left side and then three to four days on my right. While I'm having two cycles, I, I've been having two cycles every month since the age of 10 and not finally being diagnosed until I was 26. I suffered for so long and felt not listened to, especially being a black woman. My pain was minimized you're just a girl with bad periods. Just take this ibuprofen and we'll send you home. Giving me IVs and, you know, just giving me the runaround, basically. And so I am empowered now. I didn't, I wasn't empowered back in my 20s. I was afraid to use my voice. I didn't see my worth. I thought that I was the only one suffering in silence. I didn't hear anyone else going through what I was going through when it comes to endometriosis and fibroids and uh, having a diadelfish uterus. So after eight years of trying to get pregnant, eight long years, even to a point of suicide, because I felt like I wasn't enough. I felt my body betrayed me. God bless us with our first first daughter. And then after a year of waiting to get pregnant again, another eight years after that, I just had a baby almost two years ago, my second baby. Um, So I'm just encouraged even more now. I know that my story, you know, what I went through was for a reason. So I'm using every opportunity to share my story and let people know that you're not alone.
0: That's interesting. So almost it correct me if I'm wrong. Was it 16 years to get diagnosed? 16 years. I can relate. It took me 16 years mm-hmm. to just get one diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Sandra, tell us a little bit about your diagnosis and then how long it actually took you to get the information. And how did you feel? Like, were you relieved? Were you just like, mm-hmm. where do you go after that? Mm.
1: it took me 21 years 21 years to be diagnosed with endometriosis and just like you I didn't know what advocacy and advocating for me I was a kid that was my parents job and I would say my parents did as much as they could I'm from the islands there was a language barrier for my parents so it's more like okay let's go to the hospital Let's go see specialists. Let's go see doctors. And almost every single one of them was like, oh, she's lying. She just can't deal with a little pain. She's trying to get attention. She's this, she's that. That's all I heard. To the point, I'm my parents, thank God they believed me because they saw the act. They saw I had to call my dad to come pick me up every time, every time of the month because I'm at school or I'm at work. And I'm in pain. I can't be here. Just like you, every kid in the school knew, oh, Sandra has a period. Leave her alone. Leave her alone. Because I was more of a disability, not a disability, a liability being at the school or being at work. I had to have conversation with my boss. I'm like, hey, my period. I had male boss at work having a conversation, hey, between this time and this time, I'm expected to have a period. Could you have a backup for me? Because I may have to call out. And those were uncomfortable conversation, but it got to a point that I, as I got older, I stopped telling doctors my symptoms. Like, what's the point? Like, what are you gonna do about it? Going to the emergency room was a waste of time, but a whole lot of money because they didn't do anything going to specialists was that reassuring that they'll give to tell my parents it's all in her head. So I took the pain just like you. I passed out. I was through vomiting. I had pain galore laying down was uncomfortable. Sitting down was uncomfortable. Standing up was uncomfortable. Ibuprofen. What, what is that? What is that? Before I even hit my system. As soon as I put it in my mouth, I was out. So it was a lot. When I finally found a doctor that was willing to listen, I still didn't tell her. I still didn't tell her what my periods were. And at that time I was seeing her to try to get pregnant. And I was like for what? Until so they gave me my our magic pill Clomid. That's another podcast. Um Clomid and that when I found out it interfered with my endometriosis. And that's was the reason why I had to have surgery. And then that's when they find out, oh, you have severe case of endometriosis. You're between three level three and four of endometriosis with a huge chocolate cyst sitting in your colon. 21 years to be diagnosed. I was happy to hear the diagnosis because it's like, I'm not crazy. I know I wasn't crazy all these years. Like I knew it. Like, I really wanted to go to every doctor. I'm like, told you so. I really wanted to do that. Like, I told you I was crazy. Ready to put my gloves on. Let's box. But at the same time, and I I spoke to my therapist about it till this day, I am pissed as hell. I have a hate relationship towards the medical community. Like, when I find a really, really good one, I will scream your name for everyone to hear. I will tell every soul, this doctor is amazing. However, that takes me a while to do because I don't, when doctors open their mouth, I'm waiting for them to say something nasty. I'm waiting for them to give a misinformation. Like I'm ready to go to war with you because I'm traumatized by all these doctors, like y'all calls almost like a mental case for me because I wasn't listened to. I was viewed as the crazy person all these years from nine years old till as an adult, pregnant, I'm not pregnant, looking to get pregnant, married. And y'all made me feel like a crazy person all these years. So when they hear on a podcast and they're here on a panel, I have my defensive mode on. I'm like, ready. You
0: better not be on
1: that stage giving misinformation.
0: (laughs) Sandra (laughs) said, I'm coming on the stage to me. She said, there will be no miscommunications. We're going to clear it up today.
1: (laughs) I refuse for you to make another person feel less than. That, that was my view. And unfortunately, it's still my view. So when I hear other people have misinformation from a doctor or the doctor didn't listen to them, their diagnosis took so long and now their situation is worse, it hits me to the core because I was her. And in some case, I feel like I'm still that little girl going to doctor's appointment, doctor's appointment, hearing, you're basically crazy.
0: I literally just got chills. I'm almost about to get emotional and I'm like, baby, keep it together. But I may, like I said, we on the couch, honey. So on the couch, we can (laughs) let it loose. I can relate the whole thing. And for anyone that's listening, I mean, you can't see us. We're, this is three black women. What I will say, different diagnoses, different stories, but what is the same is the lack of trust. We did not trust our bodies. We did not trust our doctors. Our doctors did not believe us. And I will say, correct me if I'm wrong, we all are still dealing with that. I just got a new doctor here. I moved, right? I moved to Scottsdale. I'm like, okay, I got to get my new PCP, this, that, and the other. I, on purpose, did not mention endometriosis. I do it on purpose. I don't tell them what I do. What do you do? Oh, I work in health. I just- <laughs> I just keep it real basic. Right. And so you say something out of pocket and then I'm like, you know, then the real, you know, it comes out and they're like, oh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way. But I, I set them up. I give you the opportunity. Number one, I'm going to circle back to that because I think this is important. I don't go in flex and I am this, that and the other, because here's the thing. You should treat me amazing if I come in there and I don't have two nickels to rub together, right? You should treat me amazing. If I'm on state insurance, you should treat me amazing. If I've got no insurance whatsoever. And what I noticed is that when people do know who you are, right? Maybe they've heard your podcast. They and seen you at a conference. All of a sudden the red carpet is out. What about the person that just came over to the U S there's a language, barrier. Like you just said, what about, I literally just gave myself chills. What about the person that doesn't understand that doesn't know their vulva from their vagina? They just know something's hurting down there and they need help. So that is why I come in and I give it very generic. You know, I may say health coach. Usually I, to be honest, (laughs) I have to just be so transparent. I usually just leave it blank and they just assume I don't have a job and that's fine. (laughs) I I don't really care. I'm just there to show up. But I don't mention it. But as it came out, as soon as I said endometriosis, I mean, she stopped and she's like, oh, okay, we'll definitely take care. Uh, uh, did I say I was in pain? I never said I was in pain, never said I was suffering, never asked you to address that. But as soon, but what I will do, what I will say, is I respect her because she stopped and I paused her and I'm like, look here, I understand. As soon as I say endo, you think this, that, and the other, but this is what endometriosis is. This is what I'm doing and I don't have any issues. And so she stopped for a second. And this is the only reason I'm still with her. Cause then she kind of turned around and was like, well, yeah, looks like I've got something to learn. I can work with that. But what you're not going to do is try to talk me into birth control. Cause honey, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for it to work. I bought the lie. I did the Lupron. I did the stuff. I bought the whole turn off your period and you're going to be better. I mean, and this is another episode, honey. We're going to be, this may be a long one. I mean, I'm still dealing with dental issues and all kinds of issues from these medications. My bones are snapping like I was falling apart. So, all that to be said, like, I know that you are listening and you can relate to this. I know it is harder to get a diagnosis as a black woman. Now, I'm not going to go into the when, where's and the why's because you already kind of know it. But what I will say, and I'm going to let you ladies chime in on this. If every time you got a period problem, a cramp, a pain, a this and that, and the answer is always a hysterectomy, you need a new doctor. And I'm going to just drop it right here because if we're always snatching the wounds of every Brown and black person, two plus two is four. If you don't get it, send me an email and I'll break it down for you. But that's not the answer. I don't care. And I'm going to take it a step further. Even if you do have fibroids, even if you are having an issue in your womb wellness area, snatching out your parts is not going to really give you the solution that you need it may help with your quality of life but it is not going to change the diagnosis i may have just got fired up so i'm gonna pass the hot mic on that one
1: look (laughs) i love fire
0: (laughs) (laughs) i do too (laughs)
2: you you're you're right on point you're you're right on point many times i heard you know just let's just do a hysterectomy let's just and especially when you're trying to get pregnant, yeah, you're already dealing with all the diagnosis, <laughs> you know, the multiple diagnoses. So I'm already like frustrated, trying to understand it, trying to keep myself sane and then starting to feel like a robot, all the blood tests and MRIs and CAT scans and do this ultrasound and go here and pick be poked and prodded and things like that so when you're trying to create a family if that is your goal you may not want to but if that is your goal even if you don't want to create a family why is the only option to have a hysterectomy why i don't i don't understand i'm trying to create a family or maybe you just maybe i've I've heard one woman that's like i don't want to create a family but why do I have to have his direct me? There's no other option. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: They are they that part. They just yeah, to... they just don't want to
2: do it. They they don't want to explain it. They they feel that maybe your insurance won't cover it, or that's not your problem. That's my problem. Mm-hmm. I I need you to help me. I need you to inform yeah. me with all the opportunities and all the things that you have here that you can offer your patients because I am your patient. You need to inform me with that information, but also you need to listen to what I'm going through and my concerns. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I felt not listened to. So many times I felt like that they didn't want to hear what I had to say or that I was, like you said, confused or dumb or going crazy. Mm -hmm. So it's so important that we are not afraid. I was so afraid in my 20s, so afraid to speak up for myself. I would rather just bleed and just sit in the bed, can't barely get out of the bed, than to actually go to the doctor and say, look, I'm tired of this. But in my 30s and my 40s, if I'm having an issue, I'm going to speak up for myself. And I'm gonna empower others around me to speak up for themselves, because it's your body. You have the power in your mouth to speak up for your body. And when you have children, you have to speak up for your children. So now that I have daughters, it's my responsibility to speak up for them.
1: I think in my whole journey, I'm not a fighting person. Mm. I am not a fighting person, but when Mm -hmm. it comes to this, I'm ready to fight. I am ready to fight because I'm tired, not just for me, but I'm tired for other women that looks like me. So it's I used to do like lives a lot more back, uh, a while back. And I interviewed a young lady. She, we, she had endometriosis. We talking about endo. And eventually she said she had a hysterectomy. Mind you, she's like 22, 23. And she praised her doctor. I'm like, oh, and she's like, oh my gosh, my quality of life is better. And all this and in my head, I'm like, Okay, I'm letting her, you know, say her piece. I'm like, no, he sold you an okey-doke. He sold you, an, you're 20 some odd years old. I bet you he didn't even give you the option of freezing your eggs if that was the case. 20 some odd years old. And a lot, what they don't also talk about is your uterus, all of that. Also minimize heart health. In the long run, it minimizes heart health. So if you remove all of that, you are actually in a greater risk. You maybe you have less pain there, but you are a greater risk of heart issues. They don't tell you that part. And no, there's a solution for anything is not to remove. Like, I, I don't understand that concept. Oh, we have a solution, just remove everything. No, that's a lazy way because you don't want to do the work. You don't want me to find the solution and help me
0: deal with the solution because that may take time. I'm going to jump in on this one. So removing your parts, I'm going to be very honest. For some people, the quality of life and what they get, they get a bang for their buck. But I will say this. How many of you can personally relate or know someone that had a cyst removed? Then their thyroid was an issue. Oh, goodness, now the appendix is out. Oh, now it's my gallbladder. Every time you turn around, something else needs to be removed. Am I against surgery? Absolutely not. Baby, I put some breast implants in and them had to come out. They had to be removed. I made a mistake. (laughs) I had to ask for forgiveness and rip them out. It was not serving me. So I have nothing against surgery. I I don't come from the high horse. I put all my little business out there. I made a mistake. Your girl came back and scooped it up. But this is what I'm saying. If you're always having something removed, you always got to have this, that, and the other. Have you ever stopped and just thought that whatever some of those root causes, not just root cause, root causes is just jumping from one organ to the next. Even if you've never had it removed, I'll use myself, right? endometriosis diagnosis had different issues, dental issues, sinus issues, all of these things. But it was literally like one system after another was having issues. You know, I had the gallbladder attack. Then they were like, you need your gallbladder removed. I didn't do it. I had issues with my liver. Then I had issues with my thyroid. Like, eventually I was like, something's going on. Cause I feel like even though I'm throwing all these supplements or before I was on supplements, all these prescriptions, it would literally be like, Oh, that's okay. Oh, now it's this. And so I was always jumping around now. Yes. Endometriosis, chronic systemic inflammation throughout the entire body but we need to get a little smarter when we're advocating for ourselves. And if you're with a surgery happy physician who always wants to cut something out, or someone that's just throwing you on all these medications while they're getting kickbacks, yep, that's what I said. Then you have to start wondering like, is this truly serving me? I get that you're in pain. I get that you want to just numb the pain and all of that. But I'll throw my age out because I don't know how old you ladies are, but I'm like, we're, we're coming with a little knowledge here, right? We didn't just jump around the corner <laughs> two days ago. I, I'm i going to just throw, I don't feel ne- either, none of us are in our 20s or 30s because we just said 21 years to get diagnosed and 16. So baby, we seasoned. I feel
1: like it sometime, but my body tells me, humble yourself. <laughs> You're not in your 20s.
0: Yes, we seasoned over here. So I'm 44. Ladies, where are you at? I'm
1: 40 and turning 41 next month.
0: I'm 42. Right. So we we got, we, we in the forties. Mm-hmm. So we're telling you, we've done the medications. We have made decisions that we're proud of, I'm sure. And other decisions that we're not so proud of. Some of the decisions we made based on the information we had. And unfortunately, we did not have all the information. And that's where I want to kind of pivot this conversation. What are some things that you did when you got your diagnosis that you're like, That was a great decision for me. What are some decisions that you made that you're like, dang it, maybe I would have done it, maybe not. Or maybe you're like, hell no, wouldn't have did it, but I didn't have all the information. Because we're talking about endometriosis, fibroids, double uterus, PCOS. I mean, we're hitting all the heavy hitters. Infertility, what can we speak to as far as that so that people can walk away and maybe just ask a couple more questions?
2: Yeah, so um, having the surgery, I had three surgeries um, when I first was diagnosed. Um, It was very, very scary. They were all laparoscopic surgeries, but one in particular was to remove the the endometriosis that was wrapped around my fallopian tubes. So my my delphys uterus is shaped like the shape of a heart, but each horn, which is the shape of a heart, um, each horn of that heart has a fallopian tube and an ovary attached to it. Well, the endometriosis was basically had it all tangled and a mangled mess. So I had some endometriosis removed from the fallopian tubes and I also had my right cervix open. So those are two separate surgeries and I needed that. Um, also, we did Clomid. After having those surgeries, we tried Clomid for six six months, still couldn't get pregnant. I don't qualify for IUI because of the shape of my uteruses. So that instrument that they use to do in- intro... Uh, uterine insemination, um, it does not fit in my uterus. A lot of instruments don't fit in my uteruses. And so eventually our doctor recommended for us to go and try IVF. I regret um, going through with IVF first financially, that alone. I mean, a lot of insurances don't cover, you know, IVF especially when you have a double womb. I remember the doctor trying to put the speculum with the the nurse and the ultrasound probe and all those things, the ultrasound on my belly actually. And I'm like sitting up watching him not put the speculum on my left cervix, the pain of it all. But I'm concentrating because I'm like, I need you to get this speculum on my left cervix because my right cervix is in, incompetent because the right cervix was closed and I had to have surgery. So I had to have my babies in my left uterus and, you know, be inseminated through my left cervix. And I'm watching the screen and I'm like, he's not really getting it. And I could see the nervousness in his face. The nurse, they're like trying and it's, it's hurting. I'm in pain but I'm worried about what he's doing. And then he finally said, oh, I got it, I got it. So I was so excited about thinking that we got pregnant through you know, doing IVF, but come to find out we didn't. So that's one thing that I do regret, um, doing IVF and then having six viable embryos and then getting pregnant naturally by the grace of God. We got pregnant, but we still had those six embryos in the freezer and we could not afford to pay for that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, when I think back, you know, should we have gone down that road? It's a life lesson, it is, but it's something that in my heart, it's, it It was a painful situation. I don't know if he ever got it into my uterus, the embryo. I, I don't believe that he did. I think he just said he did, but that's a whole other situation. But that would be my regret. But other than that, the journey was worth it because I have my two children. I have a testimony and it's my purpose to share what I've gone through, so.
1: I think um, for me is almost the opposite of yours. I, my first surgery to help me diagnose endo before I even knew I had endo, I am grateful for that surgery because it finally gave me a name to my, the craziness that I was going through. So I needed something. So I was happy for that surgery. And within that surgery, because we didn't have a full conversation of what we're going to, what we're going to find going in, because it was, we didn't know. So I had my right tube removed because it was the size of a shriveled paper. It was just shriveled. Like it was not looking like a tube. It was just all mangled. So to remove that and my doctor said the right one, the left one is fully blocked. However, because we didn't have a conversation, I didn't touch it. I am happy she did not touch it because others would be like, well, since we're already there, let's just remove it and not have a I'm happy she did not touch it because although that one was fully blocked, I changed the way I ate. I changed the way um, I did something. And eventually that tube got open on its own. Yeah. So I was happy that she didn't touch it because I would have never had that option. However, within, I think, I guess two. I did a second surgery a couple of years later. That was because I wanted to have one. So I found the doctor that I was willing to do it and everything, but I did it with misinformation. And I did it, I was like, oh, I just want to tune up. I just want to make sure my endometrials did not start acting up again. Mind you, I wasn't in severe pain. I just wanted a cleanup. And that's when I discovered yo, your left tube, because I went there, I'm like, is there any way to kind of unblock the tube? It was like, I didn't have to do anything. Your left tube is unblocked. I'm like, you mean I just wasted money to do the surgery for no reason? <laughs> That's what was in my head. I mean, it's good to know that it was unblocked, but okay, I could have saved a lot of money not knowing this part. And having multiple surgeries when this comes to you know, your uterus and endometriosis and all that, it minimized your egg reserve. And of course, going in, no one told me that. No one told me that. So when I did my first IVF cycle before I did the second surgery, I didn't know that doctor did not tell me my first IVF cycle, I'm oblivious. I don't know anything about IVF. I don't know anybody that done it. There was no Facebook group when I did it. I was just at the doctor's mercy. Whatever you told me, I did. That was it. And I had less eggs. I didn't have a lot of eggs for someone my age. And I was in my early thirties. I should have had more eggs. I only had five that came out. By the time we did the whole procedure, I had two left. And if he had told me to freeze my eggs, I probably would have freeze my eggs. He didn't tell me that For my age, I had low egg reserve. And I didn't know I was also already perimenopausal. He didn't tell me. Because I'm like, that would have saved us money in the long run. Hey, I know we don't have any eggs. Let's do the another IVF cycle sooner or later. Even if we didn't want to have children yet, we could freeze whatever we had. No information. So by the time... We try to do cycle cycle number two years later. Now I'm down to my second surgery. We can't find any follicles. We can't, I barely have eggs. I already experiencing hot flashes. My doctor already telling me, um, I don't think you're a good candidate to do IVF again. So it's just, I wish someone would, would have told me more detailed things and don't assume I know especially this is my first round of IVF how the hell would i know like how would i've known i'm still learning to this day when we're getting new acronyms and things coming i was like well, what does that one mean what's this new acronym i'm still learning that to this day and i'm an advocate now but it's i wish i didn't do the second surgery cuz it when you look at it it wasn't needed i just needed more information and i wish the doctor would have just said well ask me more detailed questions How, what's the level of your pain? How was this? Let's try this before we did a surgery. Educate me versus like, oh, she got money to spend. Oh, sure. Let's book you right away for another surgery. And that was, although the surgery was good, but I, from that surgery, started experiencing itchiness all over to this day. Itchiness, my, I mean- I had an infection from the um, um, sutures. I didn't realize that medical tape, I'm allergic to it. I didn't know. And he put the tape and I'm there like, look, I'm itching. I'm like, this is really bad. Oh, you should be fine. No, no, no. I'm coming to see you right now. I had a full-blown infection, full-blown infection from the inside and out. Until this day, I would get random itchy spells to this day. So it's going in with minimal information and doctors not educating me in the process.
0: So this is the perfect time to ask, what are some things that, what are three or four questions, maybe even five or 10, I'll take them all. What are some things that people need to be asking for if they're diagnosed with endometriosis, dealing with fibroids, double uterus? I'd love to talk about more about that Mm -hmm. because there's not a lot of content about that. I'm thinking right now, I don't think I've ever talked about it on my Instagram or podcast or anything. We're gonna definitely have to delve deeper, but what are some of the things that people need to be asking? Because like you said, we don't know, we don't know, honey, I was on baby center. And I just was like, Hey, this is what's happening to me. That's, that's all I had. Or it was like, Oh, LJ can't make it to work again. Or, Oh, you know, one second I'm on the news, giving you tips to be healthy. And the next second I'm on the bathroom floor texting a neighbor to get my kids ready. Like it was either here or there. So what are some of the things I'm like, I hate to say that we could have done differently, but what are some questions that people should ask so that they can be set up for success?
2: First, um, before I answer the question, I want to say this: these things, reproductive health, fertility, should be talked about in school. I, I've said this before on my Instagram. It was, you know, they talked right. about say no to drugs, say no to drugs. You know, don't have sex without a condom. You protect yourself. Don't smoke. All these things, but fertility. Never heard of that word until I was in my twenties endometriosis and fibroids all those things. I didn't know what that was until I was diagnosed with it. So that first, I would love for that to be, you know, at least by the ninth grade, they should be talking about it in health class. If kids are old enough to have sex, they should know that you can have problems with fertility. You may have, you know, fibroids. You may be, you know, do you have a family history of endometriosis or fibroids? Or do you have a family history of miscarriages? Do you have family histories of hemorrhaging or anything like that? So, um, my question would have been for especially being diagnosed with endometriosis, will it affect my fertility? Dealing with having a double uterus, can I get pregnant in both uteruses at same at the same time? I found out later on you can, and they and the and the babies would not be considered twins, but that's something that. When someone's diagnosed with a double womb, a bio uterus, or a didelphus uterus, they should be told, you possibly could get pregnant in both uteruses at the same time. That yes, you, you're you filling those cramps, you're actually having two periods every month. So that means you're ovulating in both uteruses. Those are things that, sh- that should be told to us automatically. If you are having issues getting pregnant, ask about Can I be put in a support group? Is there a therapist that I can talk to that's automatically assigned to me now that I'm seeing these doctors for ultrasounds and blood work and all those things and I have to have surgery? Is there a therapist that I can talk to? Is there a group of women that are going through what I've I've gone through? Those are questions that I wish and I regret and I didn't know at that time in my 20s. I had no idea to ask that question, but I wish I did know. I wish I was empowered enough to ask those questions and also be assigned a pelvic therapist and also be assigned a chiropractor. Like I go to a chiropractor now for my back. I've been having, and he said, you haven't, you know, C-sections and surgeries and having a double wound, my, my pelvic floor, (sighs) I can't even explain the pain. I still am having pain. So there's so many questions that I wish that I could have asked. I can't regret. I mean, I can't digress. But I know going forward, if there's anyone out there, please speak up for yourself. Any e- any small question that seems dumb, ask it and write everything down. If you have to open your phone and get uh, have a little note situation going on on your phone or bring someone with you to make you comfortable, write everything down and say, okay, after you poked and prodded and doing all these things, I have a list of questions. And do you mind if I voice record? I need a voice record so I because I won't remember because I'm so nervous and you know already upset about what's going on. Can I voice record your answers? I really appreciate it. That's what I would do.
0: That's called advocating for yourself. I love that. I am huge on notes, um, voice record. You know, maybe I'll ask. I guess I should be a little sweeter and ask. I just assume that everything you're saying, <laughs> that you you're willing to stand behind it. So there shouldn't be any problem with me recording. Now, video, I can totally understand where they'd be feeling a little way about it. But yeah, I think that's important. That's part of advocating for yourself. And this is the thing, if it's keeping you up at night and you're searching Dr. Google and you're asking your homegirl and this, that, and the other, then if it's okay to do all that, then you need to ask your doctor. You you need to ask your doctor because you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of these things you're hearing, it's not like someone gave us an answer and we didn't like it. We were either afraid to ask or we asked and we were lied to. I'm just going to put a misconception. I'm just going to call it a lie because it ain't the truth, right? We were given lack of information or no information whatsoever and then we just take it into our own hands and so yeah i mean that's a big one sandra what would you say that they need to ask
1: i need just like um you said with those conversation and schools i i that i totally agree with it that's one of the um programs that we're trying to add in our nonprofit is going to the schools and having those conversation schools. You guys don't want to have it. No problem. We are willing to have those conversations on your behalf because I have a teenage daughter, I have one. And when she has her period, I'm like, what is it feeling today? How are you feeling? What's your pain level? How's the period look like? Is it dark? Is it light? Is it look like old blood? Like I'm asking those questions. And now I'm here. Like, I need you to ask those same questions because your period, tells you a lot about what's going on in your body. It tells you a lot down to the color, down to um, when it started, how it ends. Do you have pain during ovulation? Like it tells you a lot. This month you have a headache. Now observe, how's next month? Is that headache still there? It tells you from month to month what's going on. Oh, this month you are a little stressed. Okay. That's why you probably have a little bit more bloating going on a little bit of this. Oh, last month you had a whole full glass of milk. Maybe that's the inflammation. Like we need to have those conversations. that journal, that diary, that app, we need to teach them how to do that because now you have a question, a place to start on questioning. Because a lot of us, we go to the doctor, we don't even know what questions to ask because we're oblivious with our own bodies. Like how I'm gonna ask, how is my period supposed to look like this? You can't even describe what your period looked like. Because we did not pay attention to how it looked like when it was coming through. So is having those, that advocacy part, part of advocacy is educating yourself. I can help you advocate for yourself, but part of me asking you are questions and you need to be able to answer those questions. So how are you going to ask the doctor questions when you don't even know where to start? And the best place to start is how is your period health? How, How are your levels from month to month? How are you feeling? How's your mood from month to month? Like all that means something. And you're not going to get that information on the one period that you have for the month. It's going to be how is it monthly? How is it going in? Well, Doc, I've been lately I've been having really pains, really piercing pains. And sometimes it comes even in when I don't have my period. Oh, okay. But now I can start finding out what's going on. I can start asking you the right question so I can get the right answers to give you. So yes, I'm a big component. I blame the doctors for a lot of stuff. But at the same time, ignorant is not bliss. It is not bliss. So doctors could
0: only help you if you help yourself. Body awareness. Mm -hmm. Your period is your fifth vital sign. That's why turning off your period as I do air quotes, isn't going to solve everything because honey, you still going to have some pain somewhere, the attitude, the inflammation, et cetera, fifth vital sign, but you need to be aware of your own body. Body awareness. There's too many apps and downloads. And honey, we got all the gadgets out here to check the temperature, the cervical fluid, the ovulation. I mean, we got all the gadgets. Let's start using some of these gadgets, right? (laughs) Everybody won't have a smart house. I won't have a smart body. Let's just go ahead and focus on this body, yada, yada, for a minute and be aware of what is actually going on. So you're right. It's easy to be like, my doctor ain't no good. He ain't this, that. Okay. If they ask you when your last period is, do you know? Do you know your trigger foods? Right. I mean, I I it goes both ways, right? And I I work with people every day, and it's very easy to be like they don't care, they don't listen. Okay, I'm listening right now. We're we're trying to figure out when to test your hormones to when to do the dried urine test. You don't know when your period was this summer. You don't remember, you don't remember the quality of the blood. I'm asking you about this, that, and the other. You don't know what brand tampons you use. You're just out here doing whatever. And then to make it worse, some of you really only think of your cycle when you're bleeding. I don't know if this is an epiphany. Lean in, listen. Your cycle is every single day. Just because you're bleeding a certain amount of time there's still other stuff going on. You have to support your cycle. That's like a whole nother podcast episode, but you have to advocate for yourself and you have to be aware of what's going on. So I'm like, we could go on and on and on. I would like to talk about some of the things and the projects that you guys are working on. Cause I know people are going to want to connect Miss Sandra. I know you have a program coming out. Tell us about what's going on. Prepus and primus for 2024 baby. Cause we ready.
1: I am ready. I'm so ready for 2024. I have been programming how my 2024 look like. I'm one of those. I don't wait till January 1st to start new year's resolution and stuff like that. I like that. Okay. Mentally prepare by December. I'm thinking what's happening. What do I want my 2024 look like? You can't plan your 2024 on 2024. Like you can't do that. So I started, I have a workbook coming out, which is going to be part of courses, some online courses. Hopefully I could even do some face-to-face ones. And it's called a mapping course. It's a mapping course for your map goal. So it is detailed. It's not something that you can just, hey, let's have a party, cut out people's married people have a mansion that you put on a board that you know damn well you don't have the finances for. So let's put realistic goals and I creating a map goal for that purpose. I actually used it for myself to create both of my children, my children book and my infertility planner. So I know it works. I know it work. I started my speaking gigs using my mapping goal and I will be bringing that out around december hopefully by the end of november but still pushing it but by december and definitely will be available in january so we are in the editing phase of it's already created so we just making sure all the ducks on the roll to have it live for everyone so if you're interested i would love to have everyone on board and it's goals for anything it could be your health goal your career goals your school goals, life goals, fitness goals, whatever that look like for you, we're going to tailor it, find out. And the overall is called main goal. We're going to focus on your main goal for 2024.
0: And not to worry, we'll have all the links in the show notes. Join the newsletter, follow us on Instagram. Be You need to be in the know, baby, be connected. So when it drops, you'll be the first one. LaAnna.
2: Yes. Yes. For me, um, I am focusing a lot more on, you know, informing people about living with a double uterus, um, trying to partner with other people. There's so many women out there that also have a half a uterus and some women that were born without a uterus at all. So um, I'm, my prayer is that I will start a series, hopefully also started on my YouTube channel um, so that I can inform people, let people know what is what it's about. How does it feel to have a double womb, Um, what to expect when you are trying to get pregnant, what is it like when you have your cycles, all those things, because a lot of people do not know. And there's some women that are walking around and don't even know they have it. So that's what I'm um, focusing on. But definitely follow me right now on Instagram. um, So that I can, you know, continue to inform, educate, and please reach out if you have questions, because I want people to know. I'm not ashamed. I used to be ashamed of living with a double uterus. I used to be ashamed of my diagnosis with endo and fibroids and PCOS, but I'm not ashamed anymore. It's my purpose to help others. So please reach out.
0: I'll just add this. Living in shame doesn't serve us or others. And I'm bringing you back. I'm going to just tell you right now you're coming back because we're going to talk about the double uterus because that's not something I've delved into. It's not part Mm -hmm. of my personal story. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely want to bring you back, Sandra, and talk more about infertility, not a part of my personal story. And this is the thing. Some of y'all out there just following influencers that got all the answers and baby, they ain't even got the wins in their own life. I repeat, (laughs) I repeat, I ain't naming names because you know exactly who it is. They got all the programs, all the this, all the that get some wins in your personal life, then bring it to me, right? I don't come from the high horse. I come from the low horse. I'll tell you what I did, right? I'll tell you what I did wrong, did something wrong today. And I threw it on my Instagram story. Go learn from my mistakes, (laughs) learn from my mistakes, because this is what will empower you. It's easier to advocate when you know what to ask. It's easier to stand in your power. When you have a community, I repeat, easier to stand in your power when you have a community. So we are going to put all the links in the show notes to build your community. Any final words for someone that's really going through it right now. And they're like, this sounds all fine and great, but I don't know if it's going to work for me. What would you say to them, Sandra? You
1: know what? I think we all been there. We all been in a place of, I don't know. I want to know. I need to get this information, but I don't know if this will work for me, I've tried some things. And I would say, if you don't know, this is where you can connect with someone to help you get there. This is a community. We should not be creating things on our own. I speak about my story to help the next person because I didn't have anyone to connect with. We didn't have YouTube and stuff when I was going through all of this. And when, we, it's, when YouTube started, no one looked like me. They didn't know what my life was as a black woman with endometriosis. My life was different from my counterpart. I was, people was questioning me, why she keep going to the bathroom? Why she's always at work going to the bathroom? I'm like, why is that a problem? But my counterpart didn't get that question. So it's, they didn't look like me. And not that they were doing anything wrong, but my life as a black woman is endometriosis is different because I'm entered already in a negative mindset from doctors going in just before I even open my mouth. So my final thing will be, I need you to find someone to connect with. There are so many, I mean, between the three of us alone, call us up, send us an Instagram message. You are connected to our story. Hey, reach out. I actually respond to my Instagram messages, especially when it's something that's dealing with your health because that's what an advocate does. I'm not gonna talk the talk. I'm gonna walk and I'm gonna hold your hand while we walk. So it's not about, oh, uh, I'm tired of this. No, this is my life's journey. And I'm willing to help you throughout to make sure your journey didn't look like mine. I took the long route. We're here to give you the easier route. So connect with somebody. If you see that you can connect with any of us, DM us, join our email list, follow us us on social media to get more information, but don't stand in the back waiting for the information to come to you. Connect, call, message, email, and drop a little dime like, hey, hey, I would love to see how we can work. I would love, do you offer coaching? Do this, do this get the right information so now you can power yourself the right way i think that's a disservice a lot of especially african-american we do we don't connect to the one that has the information but we're looking to connect with the one that you know shake it like a salt shaker on insta you know we will do that but <laughs> the one with the right information we like oh, we'll just walk from the sideline
2: yeah for me i would say that you are not alone I come from a place of understanding being alone. You could be surrounded by family and friends and still feel like you're by yourself because you're the only one with the diagnosis. And um, we're in this together. It's a sisterhood. I say that all the time. It is a sisterhood. When someone is willing to reach their arms out, to open their ears, to listen to your story, to speak for you, it is a sisterhood. I see you. I thought that, No one could understand what I was going through. I thought that was the only one going through the pain, the only one suffering. But I'm here to empower you and to tell you, you are not alone. We are in this together. I may not physically be there with you, but I'm there in spirit. If you need anything, please reach out. Don't suffer in silence because I see you.
0: I love it. We have to stop suffering in silence. I want you to feel empowered and educated and motivated by this conversation. No matter what you learned, maybe you're like, it was just a good conversation. I didn't get something from it. I don't believe that. Number one, number two, go ahead and share it with someone that may be on the fertility journey. Someone that's like, I can't trust my body or I trust my body, but I can't, th- the doctors to trust me. This is information that is impactful and powerful. And I keep saying it, and I'm going to end with this. It's all about community, but I'm going to call some of y'all out. Some of y'all are comfortable in the community and you're not sharing the resources. The person down the street, the person around the corner, your cousin, that's at family reunion, that maybe the person that's there and is always struggling. The one that always misses all the family events, they are suffering in silence. You remember what it was like to be on mattress island, suffering in silence. There's no need. We cannot continue to gatekeep the information, share the information, tap into the resources and power yourself so that you can empower others. Thank you so much, ladies. I'm definitely going to be bringing you guys back for individual stories because we got to, we got to tap, tap, tap in a little deeper on all of this, but thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Grateful to be here. Thank you. Yes,
1: yes, I love it. I love these conversations.
2: Yes, sisterhood.